Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Awesome. All right, so here's what we're doing today. We are kicking off a brand new series called You Ask For It. Now, we've, this is a repeat of a series that we did last year, but it's not a repeat of the messages because here's the whole concept on the series. We ask you, what questions do you have about faith? What questions would you like us to answer? And so I asked that on Easter Sunday, and you all filled out some questionnaires for me and gave me some great questions. Uh, to, and, and really, honestly, when I do this, I feel like I'm kind of getting the heartbeat of the people, right? Like, what is it you want to hear about? What is it you're struggling with? What question would you ask, but you're kind of afraid to? And, and so you all were really, really honest. And let me tell you some of your responses and where we're going to go over the next five weeks. So you ask, how do I share my faith? So next Sunday, I'm going to talk to you about how you share your faith. You ask this question, are we really living in the end times? Multiple people ask this question, is this really the end? And so we're going to talk about that. It'll be the following Sunday. And then, (laughs) I love this question, how do I deal with difficult people? Anybody here know some difficult people you're dealing with? Right, so, (laughs) somebody put up two hands. They were like two-handed back there. (laughs) I didn't say point. Don't point at the difficult people. Just, just how many of you deal with them? So we're going to talk about how you deal with difficult people. And then some of you asked, how do I have faith? What does that even look like? And so we're going to give them a message called Lessons in Faith and, uh, and, and look at how that works out in the Bible. But today, here's where we're going. You ask the question, well, I've been hurt or I've been offended. Now what? Well, what do I do? So let's jump into it. Now, I'll tell you this. I was really excited and sad at the same time to see this. Excited because this has been a massive part of my spiritual journey, dealing with offense and the ways that it impacted my life uh, because God freed me from it and I believe that he wants to do the same in your life today. So let me ask you, how many of you guys have ever been hurt or offended? Show of hands. All right. How many of you guys have ever hurt or offended someone else? Show of hands. Oh, the rest of you just holy people, huh? Never mind. Next week's going to be all about lying, so we'll just uh, we'll just go there. <laughs> How many of you guys are offended that I even asked the question? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, just just one. Just one. All right. Well, if you've ever been offended, then you know that it's likely that today that pain or that offense it still it still hurts just as bad as it did the day that it happened, right? It doesn't matter if it happened when you were a kid and, and you still think about it or whether it happened you know, in, in your adult life and your world is still reeling from it. No matter when it happens, it hurts. And when we are offended, we carry the consequences of that pain. When you look to your Bible, you see that Jesus spoke to the subject of offense. And it's not really comforting at all because <laughs> here's what he had to say. Luke 17, 1, he said, offenses will certainly come. Now, I don't know if you've ever studied this out, but that word certainly in the Greek means certainly, most assuredly, positively, 100%. You say, come on, my God, pastor, on a Sunday morning, can't you be positive? I am positive, positive that offenses will come. That's just what's going to happen. Jesus said offenses will come. They will certainly 
come. People are doing stupid stuff all the time around you, aren't they? And sometimes it just seems like their mission in life is to do that stupid stuff to you, isn't it? It just feels that way. And I don't know what it is, but it always seems to be the people closest to you, right? It's your friends that hurt you the most. It's your family. It's your spouse. It's your kids. It's your coworkers. It's your neighbor. They, you just, it's the people you spend the most time with. It's because they've got more opportunities to act like a bonehead around you, and they do. And today I feel like God wants to help us properly deal with offenses. Not if they come, because most certainly they will, but to deal with them when they do come. And so if we want to truly honor God in our lives, there's a few responses that I think we have to offense that we need to shy away from. There are things that we need to say, hey, uh, this is not right for us. First of all, you need to know that the right response is not blow up. It's not blow up. We have a tendency when we get hurt to just explode on people, don't we? We get mad when someone hurts us. We want to put on the gloves and we want to fight. We want to we wanna duke it out. We're kind of like Michael J. Fox in the movie Back to the Future, right? Michael J. Fox has got a mission. He's got something he needs to do. Everything is going great. And then what happens? Someone calls him. Yeah, chicken. A few of you guys. So you, all of you just dated yourself, by the way. Let us know. We know where the old people in the room are. They're over here somewhere. <laughs> and so... <laughs> You're offended. They're all offended. <laughs> but you call Michael J. Fox chicken, and what happens? He loses his mind. He goes, nobody calls me chicken. And then he goes off and do, does something stupid. He blows up, ruins his mission, puts himself in jeopardy, hurts other people in the process, and this is what we do. We get mad. We do stupid things. We say things that are hurtful in response. Why? Well, because hurt people tend to hurt people. Hello? When we're hurt, hurt people tend to hurt people. This is what we do. We lash out. And our response can hurt other people when we blow up and fight back. It's funny. We don't blow up at first-time offenders, though, do we? Not like somebody that's casually, casually offending you. Somebody that says something that could be, like you're sitting at a, at a dinner table, right, at a restaurant, and you hear somebody saying something offensive to you or offensive about women or whatever it is, and you, you don't take full offense at that. You, you'll let that slide. But it's the people who offend over and over and over again in your life, again, families, friends, neighbors, coworkers, bosses, that we absolutely explode on. I, I know what it's like. I, I had somebody in my life really close to me that I trusted I trusted them to make decisions that would not be hurtful towards me or not hurt me in any way. And I, I was wrong. Because one day I, I got this, this, I found out that a decision was made and it was in direct opposition to me. Now who it was and what it was all about is none of y'all's business, all right? Just being honest with you. So don't, don't ask, I'm not gonna tell you. I'm just kind of trying to let you know that, that I had an opportunity to blow up on this person. And it was somebody close to me, somebody I admired, somebody I respected. And they did something offensive by making a decision that did not, they, did, they, they should have included me on. And it's going to have a major impact on me. And worse yet, they let me know about the decision, not through a phone call, not through a conversation over coffee, a text message. Doesn't that just stink? 
Anybody ever had that happen to you? Yeah. And I sit there and I looked at that text message. I was with a couple friends and I turned it around and I showed it to them. And my heart, I was just boiling. I was mad. I probably typed out at least three or four different messages that I never sent and deleted. Anybody else ever done that before? Because, you know, that's, that's okay to do. Like, you know, get it out. But I never sent it. And I just sat there and I, I looked at it all day long. And I remember taking time that day and I just stopped and I prayed. And I said, God, how could this happen? How could you let this happen? My heart was broken. I cried about it. And after I prayed about it, I, my heart was softened. And, and here's how I responded to him. I said, hey, listen, this stinks, but I'm going to trust that God's in control, that none of this is a surprise to him, and that I trust him even though I don't like what you're doing. This is where I landed because God worked on my heart. See, I had a choice. I could have. I was within my rights. I could have exploded on this person. I could have exploded in text. I could have exploded in person or over the, any way, any way that I wanted to. I had the right to because of what they did. And yet, I chose to not blow up. We have to choose to not blow up. Now, my family and friends were all upset, and they were like, you want us to cut him? Because we will cut him. <laughs> Hashtag good friends, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, will cut straight, I will straight cut him. And I wanted to cut him too, if I'm being honest. There's nothing else I wanted more than to just cut him. Don't you judge me. <laughs> When we get hurt, we want to blow up. We want to fight back. But scripture says this, Romans 12, 19 says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God. But we don't want to leave room for God, do we? Because doesn't he know how bad that hurts? Doesn't he know that that guy deserves to be cut? Well, of course God knows. He knows everything. It doesn't matter what God knows. What he's telling you is that you need to not take revenge. You, you don't get to take revenge. You need to leave room for God because he knows that blowing up isn't the best for us. It's not gonna turn out right. In our anger, we're gonna cause more damage than we ever intended to, to ourselves and to others. And so when we take revenge, when we blow up, we remove God from the situation. And honestly, he could handle it so much better than we could anyway. So the first response that we need to avoid, we don't get to blow up. The second one is, it's not, guess what? This is not the right response to offense and hurt. Guess what? You know what that's all about, right? That's, guess what? You were never going to believe what he just did. You're never going to believe what he said. You're never going to believe what he stole from me, what she told someone else about me. It's gossip. We respond with water cooler talk. They, that's what they used to call it, right? Because people used to gather around the water cooler and take a break and talk about people, you know? Now we don't do that anymore. It's called Facebook. We just air all of our grievances out on Facebook and we talk about people, right, publicly. That's the current water cooler. You want to know what's going on in someone's life? Catch all the gossip? Just go to Facebook. You'll see it. It's there, or all of our social media. We post it. We gossip about them. We even get spiritual about it sometimes, right? You'll be in your, in your grow group sitting around with a bunch of people and, well, I have a prayer request. We need to pray for John because he's just going through some stuff and he, you won't believe what he did to me the other day, right? And we use it, we use it as an excuse to be spiritual so we can pray for somebody, but what are you doing? You're gossiping. 
You're, you're gossiping. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. That word perverse always gets me, man. That's a hard word, isn't it? It's like, oh, man. It means you have taken the initial purpose of something, the intended purpose for something, and twisted it. A perverse man stirs up dissension. This word gossip in Proverbs is a, a Hebrew word, and it's the same word that was used about the Israelite people. Remember, the Israelites are, are going towards the promised land, and they've been wandering through the desert. Forty years they're wandering through the desert. And God's providing food for them every day with manna. They get up and the food's there. They don't even have to work for it. That's pretty nice. He says, hey, as long as you're traveling with me, your shoes and your clothing, they're never going to wear out. And oh, by the way, I'm going to lead you through the desert with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, letting the people know forever that God was there with them. And what did the people do? They gossiped. This word gossip means to murmur and complain. You can hear them now, can't you, sitting at the doorway of their tents going, can you believe that Moses guy? I'm pretty sure we've seen this rock before. Well, shouldn't he just stop and ask for directions? <laughs> and what's up with this manna? Can't I get some Taco Bell or some Chipotle, please? All done with this free food. I mean, I know it's angel food, but seriously. Or they go, and these shoes. If I'd have known that these shoes, I was going to have them for 40 years and they wasn't never going to wear out, I'd have got the Air Jordans before we started. You know what I'm saying? Bad time to choose some Pumas. I got nothing against Puma. I like the Puma shoes. But they're, they're murmuring and they're complaining. And as a result, what happens? God says, because of your grumbling and your complaining, you don't get to enter into my blessing. All those people that grumbled and complained, God said, now you're stuck out here. Every last one of you will die off and will not be able to go in there. Why? Because of they solved their problem with a guess what attitude. They grumbled, gossiped, complained. And when we gossip, I believe that it keeps us from God's blessing as well. And truthfully, there's a better way to handle it. When someone offends us, or when they hurt us, no matter what it is that they've done, Matthew 18 is a favorite verse of mine that I'll go to. Somebody comes to me and says, hey, did you hear about so-and-so and what they did to me? My first question out of my mouth every time, you'll ask my team members, my friends, my family, did you go talk to them? Because this is what Matthew 18 tells us to do. The better way to handle it is not to grumble and complain and murmur about them. It's to, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Go to that person. It's not guess what? Guess what happened to me? It's go to that person and say, when you did this, you hurt me. Here's what it does. When you go privately, it gives that person an opportunity to privately, before the whole world knows about it, to make things right. This is something we call redemption. And God's all over that stuff, folks. He loves that. He'll take that offense and turn it into a beautiful situation if you'll be obedient and go to them privately. So it's not blow up, it's not guess what, and it's certainly not so what. Sometimes when we get hurt, we say, so what? We try to minimize and trivialize it. 
brushed underneath the carpet, so to speak. Say, well, they really didn't mean to, and, and all along we're dying inside. We trivialize it and make it so small. But when we minimize the offense, it cheapens forgiveness. See, forgiveness is a beautiful thing. Forgiveness between two people is wonderful. For a debt to be forgiven that you could not pay on your own, when you hurt somebody, to be given that gift of forgiveness, it's beautiful. And for us to trivialize the hurt, it cheapens forgiveness. This is what the people of God were doing too. Check out Jeremiah in the message paraphrase, Jeremiah 6, 14. My people are broken, shattered, and they put on band-aids saying, it's not so bad. You'll be just fine, but things are not just fine. This is a picture of us. We dress up nice and we look okay on the outside, but we're burying that hurt and that offense deep in our hearts. We're letting it just hang out there. And when we minimize the offense and bury it, we further hurt ourselves over time because that offense spreads through our lives, especially if left unchecked because you trivialized it. I remember years ago, so I, I just graduated high school. I was 18 years old, so actually it's, it's really crazy. This week is my 20-year high school reunion, and so this was 20 years ago. I had friends of mine who were in Michigan of all places, and uh, they, they, uh, they were there selling basically vacuum cleaners, okay? But they called it a total home cleaning system. It was one of those rainbow vacuum cleaners, you know? They were making lots of money doing it, and I was like, well, I'll, I'll come up and be a part of that. They had their own office, and so I go up there, and I start being, I was a, I was a door-to-door vacuum salesman. Now, I made appointments, and I'd show up, and here's what I would do. Here's the pitch. I'd say, your carpet right here, have you vacuumed this week? They'd say, no. I said, all right, well, let's get a vacuum out. I said, now, how many times do you vacuum a week? And they'd say, one. That's about average, right? And I said, so... You'd say that you vacuum this carpet 52 times in a year. Yes, that is correct. All right, this little space of carpet, go over, this, over with the vacuum cleaner 52 times, if you would, please. So I'd sit there and wait. One, two, three, uh, 52. It's a real awkward part of the presentation. When they were done, I'd say, now that's a year's worth of cleaning. Is this carpet clean? And they go, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just went over it 52 times. It better be. And then I took out my light. I had this light. I would shine, and I'd say, it looks pretty clean, right? And they'd say, yeah. And then I'd take that light, and I'd drag it across the floor and lift it up real quick. And what that did was it would kick up all the dirt and the dust and the stuff that was in that ground. It would fly up in the air, and the light would reveal what we could not see on our own. You getting the spiritual application here? And the people would look at that in absolute terror, I said, you see all that? When you walk across your carpet, you're kicking up all that stuff into the air, and you're just breathing that. Oh, they were grossed out. They were done. And then I said, and all the stuff that's not flying, the stuff that you can't see that's buried deep down, the sand, because what happens when you pull up a carpet? What's on the ground? Sand. Sand is really sharp, and so you walk across it, and what's it doing? It's just grinding at the fibers of your carpet, your investment. Oh, people, like this, you know, they're on the hook. Eventually, your carpet is going to be destroyed. 
people realizing that they had a problem they could not fix on their own would buy a vacuum cleaner from me. (laughs) Because they now had to deal with their dirt. The dirt that was buried down so deep. And I think this is a perfect picture of us. When we get hurt and we minimize it or trivialize it, we bury it down deep. And that hurt attaches to our hearts. And it just stays there. And it affects our relationships. It spreads like toxin throughout our, our hearts, throughout our spirit. It wrecks our relationships, wrecks our attitudes. And in my estimation, it ruins your opportunities in life because of what that toxin does to you, what that offense does to you. It's like the dirt in the carpet that grinds away at us. Or the dirt that's in the air that we are just breathing in and don't realize and get sick. Here's what Hebrews has to say about it. Watch out that no bitterness, now bitterness you understand, comes from offense or being hurt. And it hangs out there because you didn't forgive. Bitterness, it says, watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble. In other words, this thing grows. The, 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 the small hurt that you leave unchecked and buried grows. It says it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their lives. This is what offense does to us. Bitterness springs up from offense and unforgiveness of that offense. We need spiritual detoxing is what we need. This is what we need. We can't do it on our own, though. So it's not blow up, it's not guess what, and it's certainly not so what. So how do we respond to it? What's the proper way to deal with offense? Because God certainly has to have a way for handling hurts, right? Let me tell you the first thing in this process of letting God handle it is realizing that you holding offense affects your relationship with him. You need to realize that this is impacting your relationship with God. You say, well, does that mean we're not good with him? I don't know, maybe. Maybe he's got more for you. Maybe there's a blessing he wants you to have and you just can't because you won't let go of your offense. When we get hurt and we blow up or say, guess what, or so what, we're damaging our relationship with God. Because when we blow up, we're taking revenge. That's not ours to take. When we say, guess what? We're gossiping and causing division. That's not what God wants for us. He wants unity and peace among us, right? And then when we say, so what? We're minimalizing forgiveness, which is a beautiful gift that we have to give others. This is what God wants for us. So if you can't do those things, what are you supposed to do? Here's what God says. And I'm gonna be honest. You're not gonna like it. Here it is. Luke 6. Do not judge others and God will not judge you. Do not condemn others and God will not condemn you. Forgive others and God will forgive you. The measure you use for others is the one that God will use for you. So you understand by looking at this that you are required. If you'd like to experience forgiveness and the freedom that God has for you, you have to forgive others. This is part of our journey. I told you you wouldn't like it. Told you it's not very popular. Now, I'm not saying what somebody did to you wasn't hurtful and wrong. 
I'm not saying that there shouldn't be something done to them or consequences because of their actions. What God is saying is for you to personally release them of responsibility of their actions. Release them. Forgive them. You don't have to forget. God didn't ask you to be stupid. He said forgive. You say, but they don't deserve it. You're right. They don't. And you and I don't deserve forgiveness either. If you're going to be honest about it. But we need to forgive because if we don't, we can't be forgiven ourselves. So if you're feeling like, man, I've got this burden, this weight. I'm not feeling free. I'm not feeling forgiven. I'm not feeling right with God. Maybe the sin issue in your life that you need to deal with is unforgiveness. That you need to ask God, hey, can you show me who it is I need to forgive so that you can forgive them? It's possible your prayers, your very prayers, are being hindered because you won't release someone and forgive them. And I believe today that God has an incredible relationship for you in store. But you don't get the fullness of that relationship when you're holding on to offense. I remember my boy Trent, when he was a little kid, he used to carry around a bunch of stuff. And it wasn't nothing important. Be little rocks, pieces of trash he would find. He'd walk through a parking lot, and it was just the grossest thing ever to me to walk with my son or to have him behind me and turn around and find he's picking up things in the parking lot. That's just gross to me. Unless it's a penny, we can wash it off, it's all right. But he'd find stuff, little broken things, because he has a really creative imagination that he could use with his other toys, you know. And he'd collect them, and his pockets would just be full, full of little toys. If it was little, he liked it. He wanted pockets were full and hands were full at all times, collecting. And when it came time to do some fun things or it came time to get ice cream, Trent would be like, Dad, can you hold all my stuff, please? And I got to a place, I said, no, I'm not going to hold it for you anymore. If you want this, if you want to go do that, or if you want this ice cream, you're going to have to take that trash and throw it away. You're going to have to put down the toys. You're going to have to figure it out. It used to just be put them in your pockets, but once his pockets got full, it was go put it down, son. You got all, all four of them filled. But he couldn't enjoy the blessing or the activity that he wanted to be a part of because he was holding on to so much. And I think it's the same for us. God has so much blessing that he would like to give you. The fullness of his relationship, the freedom, the refreshing that comes from knowing him. But you can't have it because you're holding on to offense. You, you can't have it because you're holding on to that hurt. Your relationship with him is being affected by it. That's the first thing you need to realize. The, the second thing you need to do is to acknowledge your hurts. You, you need to acknowledge your hurts. Decide that what you experienced was hurtful. Decide that the wrong that was done to you is painful. That maybe it was undeserved, however it came about, but it's, that it's ultimately impacting you in a, in a negative way. Do you ever meet somebody who, you know, one thing happens to them, like a small thing happens to them and they fly off the handle? They lose their minds and you're looking at what they're losing their mind over that issue and you're like, wow, 
That was such a small thing. You know, with those people, the truth is the issue that they're yelling and screaming about is not the actual issue. The problem is that they've got all this hurt that they've likely been just stuffing down. And whatever just happened was the straw that broke the camel's back. See, when you don't acknowledge your hurts, you'll wind up exploding and doing more damage. And so we have to acknowledge them. Here's what David said, Psalm 39. He said, I kept very quiet, but I became even more upset. I became very angry inside, and as I thought about it, my anger burned. Isn't that what we do? We just kind of stuff it all down, and we keep it quiet. We don't tell nobody about it. We don't talk to a friend or a family member. We just kind of sit on it. We don't acknowledge those hurts, and it just eats at us. And then we say things like this as we do it. Well, time heals all wounds. That's not true. It's not. If time healed all wounds, then when you got cancer, you could just hang out for a time and it would be healed. That's not how it works. Jesus heals all wounds. That's how that works. Time is not a healer. And so we have to decide to acknowledge our hurts, to be open about it and talk about it. Not just with others, but ultimately to confess it to him. Because who do you think you're hiding it from anyway? God, who knows everything, already knows how much you're hurt. They know what happened to you, and he's just waiting on you to talk to him about it. Look what 1 John 1.9 says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. But then the next part, he'll purify us. He'll purify us from all unrighteousness. See, God is the one who cleans us up of all the toxins in our hearts and our lives from offense. Well, we have to acknowledge those hurts, and we got to talk to him about it. And once we acknowledge it, we bring it to him, and he cleans us up, then we can do the next step, and that's pray. You say, well, Aaron, wasn't that what I was just doing when I was talking to God? Yeah, but I'm going to tell you this is a prayer you're not going to like. You ready? It's time to begin praying for that person who hurt you. It's time to begin praying for the person who hurt you. You say, that's right, I'll, I'll pray for them. I'm going to pray get them, God, prayer. <laughs> they did me wrong, get them, God. They hurt my feelings, get them, God. They stole that opportunity from me, get them, God. They lied to me, get them, God. Get them. We do this in our marriage too, don't we, guys? Lord, now you know what she said was wrong, and I can't fix her. I can't tell her nothing, so you get her, God. You tell her. She's wrong. Right? We pray, we pray get him, God, prayers. We've all done that. But you know, prayer is not always about God changing them. More often than not, as we submit ourselves to praying for them, God don't change nothing about them. He changes us. He changes us. Because prayer isn't about them. Look at Matthew 5, 43. It says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. We like that, don't we? We want to put that on a bumper sticker and let those be words that we live by. Love your neighbor, so the people we like and in our close proximity, but hate your neighbor. Or hate your enemy, excuse me. Perfect. Done. That's easy. Seems like a good rule to follow in life. But, but Jesus says, but I tell you. Oh, come on, Jesus. You're about to mess this all up for us. Nobody want that. He says, but I tell you, love 
your enemies. And everybody just kind of grabbed the seat and kind of white-knuckled it a little bit. And pray for those who persecute you. Those people who do wrong against you. You've got to pray for them. You've got to pray for them. You say, all right, Aaron, I'll pray for them. I'll pray they recover quickly after I cut them. Lord, help them. Get them. That's what we want to do. But I think if we realize our, the impact that holding offense has on our relationship with God, and we get to a place where we can acknowledge it, not only to others, but to him and say, hey, this is hurtful, that, that we need to begin to pray for the person who hurt us. And we ought to be able to. Because if God's actually working in your heart, that means that your heart's being changed about the matter and about that situation. And you want to know if you've forgiven somebody in your life? Here's the litmus test. Are you ready? Can you pray for them? And I don't mean a get them God prayer. Can you pray that they're blessed? Can you pray that they encounter God's love? Can you pray that they're standing next to you someday in heaven? Ooh, I don't know about that. See, that's the prayer. You'll know that you've really forgiven somebody of how they've hurt you if you can pray for them. If not, it's because you're still angry. If not, it's because you're still holding something against them. And you need to deal with that, and you need to deal with it quickly. Why? Well, there's, there's a great reason why. Check it out. Ephesians 4 says this. And don't sin by letting anger control you. So you need to deal with that anger. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, you know, I always taught this. I teach this to, um, to young married couples, and I tell them to talk about communication when I'm doing pre-marriage sessions with them because I'm going to do their, their wedding. And, and I sit with them and I tell them, look, you know, you're all mad at each other. Don't go to sleep because that's what the verse says right here. But that's not what the verse says. In all these years, my wife and I have been staying up late, honoring God. Look, I'm going to tell you, I was set free this week. I was doing a little Pentecostal dance in my living room. I got excited when I learned that that verse doesn't mean don't go to bed angry or until the thing's settled. Because we'd stay up until 4 o'clock in the morning sometimes working on it, having to get up at 6 and go to work the next day, tired but happy and blessed, you know. We were suffering for Jesus. But this verse doesn't say stay up until the matter is settled, does it? No, it was a big revelation. It says, don't let the sun set on your, on your anger. That's an emotion that's attached to the situation. So how do we deal with that? Because if you go to bed angry, what happens when you wake up? You're still angry. You're madder than a hornet. It's usually worse, isn't it? Just gritting your teeth, can't believe you're waking up next to them, slamming the bathroom door. All the cabinets get shut hard. Lights come on that ain't supposed to be coming on because your person gets your your spouse gets to sleep in another half hour. You all know what I'm saying. <coughs> Didn't say to settle the matter. It says don't let the sun set on your anger. Because see, if we try to deal with it ourselves, what happens? Flesh gives birth to flesh, right? Our best efforts give birth to our best efforts, which are no good usually. But if we'll before we go to bed, we'll pray about it and say, God, help me with this. Help me with this. I'm really angry about it. This, offense, this is hurtful to me. 
and we need to deal with it, but I need to go to sleep. So help me with this. Work on my heart. You submit to him, spirit gives birth to spirit. And your heart will change about the matter. It's not a get him, God. It's a help me, God. You deal with that anger, because if you don't, the Bible says that you give the enemy a foothold. This word foothold means a comfortable position. When you don't deal with your anger, it controls you, and you give the enemy a comfortable position, thereby pushing out the Holy Spirit in your situation. It's like in-laws. Does anybody have in-laws that come and stay with you? And maybe they stay a little too long. I love my in-laws. Sue, if you're watching, I love you. You can stay as long as you want. But you have in-laws that come, and sometimes they stay a little too long. I'm going to help you, all right? Do you know why they stay too long? Because they're comfortable. Because you clear the kids out of that one bedroom, and you give them the master bathroom so they got the nice space, and you just want to treat them so good. And they're like, wow, this is nice. I'm going to stay for a little while longer. If you want them to go, make sure they're sleeping on the couch and they have the downstairs bathroom. You know what I'm saying? Y'all are welcome for those of you struggling. You're giving them a foothold. And this is what you're doing with the enemy when you don't deal with your anger. Praying for the other person makes sure that the spiritual climate of your heart is right and is ready. And then the last thing you need to do, you need to deal with the root. Deal with the root of the offense. And you know what the root of every offense is? It's rejection. Because at the root of that, that hurt that you've experienced, that offense, you feel like somewhere along the line, somebody decided you weren't good enough, your relationship wasn't valuable enough, you're not worth the effort that it would have took for them to not do that offensive thing. Somewhere along the line, you suffered rejection. That's the root of every offense. A major part of my life has been dealing with offense. See, I grew up in church. I grew up loving and serving Jesus. When I became an adult, I started serving in a youth ministry. <coughs> I was working there, working a full-time job, 40 hours a week, and serving in the youth ministry about 30 hours a week. I loved it. And along comes this guy and just does something stupid. Who it was and what he did is none of your business. But he removed my value from me, robbed me of it because of the hurt that I experienced. And as a result, I walked out of there and I said, God, your people are stupid. I don't want nothing to do with them. And because I know you're all about your people, that means I don't want nothing to do with you. So I'll walk away from God, offended, hurt. I started drinking. I hadn't been drinking. I started going to strip clubs. I dove deep into pornography with no, no, no restraint at all. Started having sex because I was a virgin up until that point, saving myself for marriage. Got a girl pregnant. Within a few months, we were married. And before our year was even over, we were divorced. A few years down the road, I'm remarried again, and my marriage is ready to fail. I'd gone back to church, but I'd held on to that offense. 
hated everything about religion, everything about God. But I wanted my family to be in a good place. And my wife and I were hurting so bad that we were, we were willing to go. We knew we needed something. And so Easter 2010, a friend invited us to a church, C3 Church in Pickerington. And I went there, and shortly after, the pastor asked me to have coffee with him, and I let him know how angry and hurt and offended I was at what happened. I gave him my story. And I said, look, I'm not going to serve here. I'm not giving you all a penny of my money. I'm here because you're funny, and my family needs a place to go to church. I said, you okay if I stay here? And he said, yep, you can hang out here with us. And over time, I don't know, I probably heard a message from my pastor on forgiveness and offense. And somewhere along the way, a few short months after going there, I decided to forgive that person who hurt me. I chose to let him, let him go free. But I was, like Acts 23 describes, I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. I was full of bitterness and captive to sin. And that word sin means, here, means injustice or wrongdoing. I was a captive to my offense. And I was full of bitterness, which affected my attitude. I was sarcastic and biting. I was rude. My, my, my mom, years down the road, now that we, after God freed me from offense and, and a few years in, and my mom told my wife, I didn't know how you stayed married to him. He was an absolute jerk. That's the truth. Because the bitterness was rotting away at me, eating away at me. I realized I needed to forgive that guy, and what happened when I forgave him was I got my joy back. It was crazy. It was just like that. It was painful. It was painful to acknowledge it. It was painful to let it go. But my joy came back. God broke the addiction to pornography in my life, an addiction I had been fighting for a long time, trying to get free from. And God filled my life and set me on a path, and here I am today. And now I am quick to seek out the offense that's in my heart and my life and to let it go. To forgive quickly. I started asking God, show me. Do I have unforgiveness in my heart? It's something I do regularly. Because I don't ever want to go back that way. I want to live this life of refreshing. Because here's what the Bible says. When you repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. See, when you turn away from that, you let go of that offense, God's got times of refreshing for you. More often than not, offense is buried and you forget that it's there. When God reveals it, do something about it. Forgive those people. Deal with the root of it. Because look, this is what God wants to do for you today, I believe. He wants to set you free from the bondage that you're in of offense. He, he wants you to experience times of refreshing. Again, it's not to say that what they did wasn't wrong, because I'm sure it was. It's not to say that they don't deserve punishment. I'm sure they do. But God has something much more beautiful for you to experience today if you're willing to forgive. And it's gonna be painful, it's gonna hurt, it's not gonna be awesome at first. But if you'll be obedient in this area, I promise you, <clears throat> I promise you that you'll experience God's blessing as you're obedient today.
So if you're here today and you're holding a fence, today can begin your journey to hell. Today. You can begin experiencing times of refreshing. If we're willing to repent, if we're willing to turn away from it. We can know joy and we can know him better as we obey. Are you ready today? Don't miss out on all that God has for you. He has a beautiful relationship that he wants you to experience with him. But you gotta give it to Elsa treatment and let it go. You gotta let it go. Look, I'm gonna spend one last appeal before I pray. I am begging you. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Let it go. Your family will thank you. Your future spouse or your current spouse will thank you. So I don't know what you did, but there's, there's something different. It can be this simple thing. Let's pray. Father, I know this isn't an easy subject to deal with. There's a lot more fun topics to teach on. This message hits home with me because it just reminds me of your grace and your goodness, which I'm so thankful for. Lord, today in this place, I pray and I know that your spirit is already working on our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the effect that this offense has on our relationship with you. I pray that we could see ourselves free from this. See how beautiful that relationship with you is. See how blessed we would be, how blessed our families would be, how blessed our opportunities would be. How all across the board, when bitterness is rooted out of our lives, things change. Help us to acknowledge that pain, that whatever that is that we experienced, that, that it was painful. Lord, deal with our hearts. Soften them so that we can truly forgive. And as we forgive, God, position us so that we can pray. So that we can pray for those that have hurt us. Lord, and I pray ultimately that, that you being the great physician would heal that hurt in our hearts, that root, which is rejection. Lord, in you we are accepted. In you we are loved. We can come as we are. It doesn't matter. We don't have to clean ourselves up. We don't have to be better. We are loved just as we are. We thank you for your unfailing, unconditional love that accepts us. Let that love heal our hearts today. Let our lives be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit today. And as we continue to pray, I know there are people here in this room, you're dealing with offense. And I'm calling to you and offering to you the opportunity to have that offense dealt with so you can't fix it on your own. You need spiritual help. And if you don't have a relationship with God, you don't even have access to that power. First thing you need to do is establish that relationship. 
the way you do this is quite simple. It's through having a conversation with him that we call prayer. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'll give you the words to pray. But I want you to consider, do you want to begin that journey? Do you want to experience God's unfailing and unconditional love? You don't need to change anything about yourself. Just let him work on you. Let him heal you. Let him fix the brokenness in your heart and your life today. See, the reason we need a Savior, the reason we need Jesus, is because we are all born sinners. We're all born with this nature that separates us from God. And nothing we can do can ever make us right with God, but God, in His grace and His mercy, sent His Son, Jesus, to live a perfect and sinless life, unlike us, and God's plan was for Jesus to lay his life down for us, for him to die. He's the only one that could die in our place because sin demands a penalty of death. And not just mortal death, but eternal death. And Jesus said, I can pay that price. And so he came and he did just that. He was brutally murdered on the cross and rose from the dead three days later. And in doing all of that, he made a way for you and I to be forgiven. All we have to do is accept that gift of forgiveness. Say, Jesus, forgive me. And then ultimately to ask him to be Lord of your life. Ask him to be Lord of your life means asking him to be in control. He's the boss. You do what he says. And you spend your life figuring out how to say yes to him every time he asks. It's, it's quite simple. It's not overcomplicated. So I'm going to pray that prayer. And if you're here today and you want to be included in on that prayer to say yes to heaven and no to hell, yes to Jesus and no to the life of offense and bitterness. If that's you and you're here today and you want to begin that path to wholeness and wellness and a life that ultimately ends in a fuller and fulfilled life, if that's you and you're going to pray with me, would you just shoot up your hand and say, Aaron, that's me. I'm going to pray with you right now. Would you just do that now? That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church, can we all pray together so that nobody's praying by themselves? Because there's people saying yes to Jesus today. There's people saying yes to whole hearts, full and fulfilled lives. Pray this prayer with me if you would, please. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you came to this earth. You lived a perfect life. You died on the cross and rose three days later. You did it all for me. Thank you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. Now you give me yours. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.